You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Brand new series next week. I'm really excited about it. And I want to just kind of open it up now because I want you to be ready for this. So I just really felt like preaching on a couple of um, topics I felt like God was giving me. Specifically, we're entitled Unshakable. And the reason why is because in the last couple of years, I've seen so many things get shaken. So many things get shaken. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. But the more I began to study, the more I began to get intrigued by the beauty of God's creation and everything else. But the fact of that God settles things, he, you can trust him, you can build your life on his word. But the series is all going to be about things that were shaken. And we want to talk about from God's word. What does it mean? Why are so many things shaking? What's going on around us? And how can we kind of um, understand it and prepare as, as Christians, okay? So that's going to be next week. Looking forward to that. All right, Mark chapter 10. In Mark 10, this is the story of the rich young ruler. Now, before you think, well, I can't relate, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, yes, you can. Every one of you in this room, per capita, based on uh, uh, your wealth, you have more wealth. Uh, the United States, new study just came out, the United States, per capita, you by far exceed the wealth uh, of any other nation ever. There's no one else that... They come close, but they're not, it's hard to say they come close. They really don't. Um, and that's a blessing and a curse, I'll be honest with you. Because when you have a lot, you're not dependent on God. That's just a fact. When all your needs are met, when you're fine, you're healthy, kids are doing okay, family's good, I, we're just not as dependent on God. Let's just be honest. You're just not. I'm not. I mean, I, to be very honest with you, you, you find yourselves very dependent on God when things aren't going right. You cry out to God, and you see it over and over in Scripture. This guy here, a very interesting um, individual, and I opened up with this about thing about praying about praying for kids and children. You know, when you when we read his story, children were a very big priority with Jesus. Jesus ministered to children a lot. Now, I'm, before we read about this guy, I'm just going to give you briefly, really quick, leading up to this story, what has taken place. His disciples have seen this in Mark five. <clears throat> Jesus healed Jairus's twelve year old daughter from death. Jesus did that. In Mark 6, he preaches in Nazareth. He's made fun of because he was Joseph and Mary's child. Might be, you see, maybe indication as to why he was so, he cared so much for kids. He knows what it's like to be a kid who's rejected. But anyway, in Mark 6, uh, he prays and feeds 5,000 people, and he uses a little boy's, like, two-piece fish snack dinner, whatever he had from Longs and Silvers. I don't know what he had. But, you know, the little boy, he came, he's the only one that came prepared. Jesus used that to feed 5,000 people. In Mark 7, he heals a Syrian Phoenician woman's little girl of an evil spirit. They were probably brought up in idolic uh, worship. Um, she was healed. And she was a Gentile. He actually said, I'm not sent to your house right now. He wasn't being rude. He's just saying, I'm sent to the covenant of Israel. I'll get, we're, my plan is to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. I'm going to do that through Paul and my disciples. But right now, i got to get my, uh, my house in order, if you will. He heals her anyway because she says, yeah, well, he said, you shouldn't take the, the food from the table, give it to the dogs. She said, yeah, Lord, but sometimes the stuff falls off from the table and the dogs get it. She didn't fight him and argue with him about her position. She knew she was not of the covenant. <laughs> yeah, he healed her daughter. The Lord, uh, in Mark nine thirty three, after all this, he sees all this happen. The disciples begin to argue about who is the greatest in the kingdom. Remember this story? Right? They're arguing, I'm good. I'm good. No, you're good. I'm good. No, I'm better than you. You know, whatever. And after that, he takes in verse 36 in Mark. I'm not going to all this. I'm going to go to, back to Richard and Gruland. I'm just laying up a, setting up the story for you. In verse 36, he takes a child in his arms, and he says, If you welcome a kid like this, you welcome me. If you welcome me, you didn't just welcome me. You welcomed him who sent me. 
Let me just say, I'm going to say something real quick before we go further. The people who serve your kids in kids' ministry, let me just say, and if you serve in our kids' ministry department here, if you've never heard this before, listen, I appreciate all you do. I really do. But you need to understand something. When you help and you serve those little kids, you're not serving me and you're not serving this church. The scripture says if you receive one of these in my name, watch this, you have received me. The, I love what we do. Look, I'm enjoying myself and doing this and I preach and I do whatever. I'm going to tell you, the greatest ministry that we have in all that we do in a church is the service to children and youth. And I'm going to tell you why. Because no other thing, they are so impressionable, their hearts are so open Hopefully, if you know, and hopefully we can help them if they if they're not. But Jesus said, if you welcome them, you didn't just welcome the little kid that came in. You're going to wipe his nose and all that kind of stuff. Or man, they're eating the goldfish crackers. They want five cups, and you said, no, I'm going to give you one. Feed the kid five cups. I don't care. But if the kid's hungry, give him more goldfish. Who cares? There's parents will figure it out when they pick him up. You know, I mean, why aren't you hungry? Well. If you're a teacher, listen, if you've ever taught kids, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, those goldfish are like manna from heaven. When stuff's not going right, it's snack time, baby. I don't, snack time's five minutes away. No, no, no. It's time right now. Everybody, let's go have some snacks. What are we having? Goldfish. Whoa. You'd think it was like Jesus just showed up. You know, they're so happy. But if you minister our kids here, you're not just ministering to those children, you're ministering to Jesus. He says, if you receive them, you receive me, you've received me, you receive the one who sent me. Which is also why he's so strict about messing with kids too. He said, if you have, it'd be better if you had a millstone tied to your neck, thrown to the depths of the sea, than mess with a kid. They're very impressionable. And you know this, y'all can look at me right now like you're older, mid-age, older, younger age, whatever age you want to talk about. And you look at me right now and act like you're, you know, this person who's like, you know, I got it all together. I'm going to tell you right now, I see these little boys and girls in the room. It is true. And you know as well as I do. You can act like, no, I got my stuff together. If I talk to you for 10 minutes, I guarantee you there's something you still think about as a little kid that has formed your life that you probably need the Lord to help you with. All of us do. Everything in your life has been formed by the impressionable times as a child. You know why some people act the way they do about money? Well, no, we get, it's because if they didn't have any growing up, they appreciate it more. If they were given everything, it doesn't mean anything to them. You are impressed. Those things happen as a kid, and you wonder why you do what you do. Man, listen, my great grandmother saved, saved Cool Whip buckets. Now, she wouldn't buy Cool Whip. She would have bought uh, the butter buckets. You know, she, she wouldn't splurge on Cool Whip. Not, not, not going to happen. My great it was a pantry filled with these things. You might have some too. Nothing wrong with it. But I asked one time, why? Why don't you just get Tupperware like everybody else is getting? That was the thing. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, I had little Tupperware parties. She said this, son. You know, when we was growing up, we didn't have anything. You save it. You wonder why great grand, my great great grand, she had all kind of stuff like that. Never threw anything away. Sugar from 1984, hadn't used it yet. We're not throwing it away. Because the experience affected her. And we can't understand that because we didn't live through depression years, but they did. So anyway, I say that because it's really important that we welcome kids. It's a big deal. And so when you see a kids worker or a youth worker, they minister. You ought to tell them, thank you for what you do. But ultimately, guys, if you serve kids or youth in here, ultimately, let me tell you something. Your greater reward is coming from Jesus anyway. He sees what you do, and he appreciates you ministering to those children. So anyway, get to this point. The parents bring these kids in to be blessed by Jesus. The disciples rebuke them. What's wrong with you? Jesus is busy. And Jesus says, I'm not too busy for those kids. He blesses those kids. This is after all this has happened. 
And then he gets to the rich young ruler, and he didn't get this by chance, his title, the rich young ruler. So let's, let's read this, okay? Let's read his story real quick, and let's talk about it. It says in Mark 10, verse 17, all that happened, now we're leading up to the rich young ruler. It says, now as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? I love the humility of Christ. He is a part of the Trinity, but he defers to the Father, if you notice all throughout the ministries, the Gospels. He says, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. He obviously knew something about the guy. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now, let me just say before I go further, we've all broken these in some way. So if you're in here right now and there's something on this list and you think, oh man, I, I, I did something. Every one of us, we've all broken them. If you've broken one, you've broken all. James will tell you that. You, we're just not that good. Can we all agree? We're all a broken group of people trying to figure it out, follow Jesus, live the best we can, ask the Holy Spirit to empower us for living. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you think you have got it all together, you have broken some of these commandments. Number one, if you think you all got it all together, uh, th- that's just straight up pride anyway. So you, you, you break, you, we have all broken these commandments. You, none of us get out of this and say, well, I, you know, like the guy who looked over and said, I thank God I'm not that sinner. Tell him to Jesus. And the guys were beating his chest because he knew he was guilty. I thank God that I'm not like that. He's so full of pride, he didn't even realize he's so full of sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one innocent in the room. We are all guilty before God. But thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's the beauty of all that we have is through Jesus. So as this guy's approaching, now listen to what he says. He says to Jesus, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth up. Okay. Probably so. But looking at him, Jesus felt a love for this guy and said to him, so we know Jesus wasn't trying to trap him. He really cared for him. And he said, this one thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving because he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for everybody at Cornerstone Church to enter into the cause. If you think it's wealthy people, that must be, you know, Jeff Bezos and like uh, Elon Musk or whoever. Them, them guys are rich. You're rich. I can take you to some places. And I'm going to tell you right now, you have more than you can even imagine. You're very, very wealthy. You, have to, you need to see yourself as that. Otherwise, if you think you don't have anything, you think you're exempt from this message. And I'm telling you, you have more than you know. Anyway, he says, at these words, he was saddened and he was grieved because he had a lot of property. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again unto them, children, going back to the kids, he's, he's having to talk to them like as in kids sometimes. Children, how hard it is to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I don't have time to explain this right now. I'm not going to. You can read about the, the context of what that means. He's just saying it's very difficult because they trust in what they own. So like I said before, when you have a lot, you don't trust God as much. You have to really put your materials in subjection or otherwise they'll get control of you. Anyway, so they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? 
And looking at them, Jesus said, with people it's impossible, but with not, not with God, for all things are possible with God. So God's saying, even though you have wealth, you can still serve and love him with your wealth. It's not impossible with God, but without God, it is impossible. So Peter begins to say to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. I guess he was trying to say, hey man, seems like the rich young guy, he gets a pass. I give up it all. He's saying, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Peter, interesting guy. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, Peter, listen. Now, this is important for all of us who serve in any capacity in the church, especially in Christian faith. He says, look, there's not anybody who's left their house, their brothers, their sisters, their mother, their father, their kids. Now, he doesn't mean abandonment here. You understand what he's saying? Our farms, they left their, their, their farming life. They left their revenue for my sake and for the gospel's sake but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. It's this idea of serving that, that he kind of missed because of what he had. So I want to share with you a little bit about him and what he had. And I want you to see this from his title, The Rich Young Ruler. So he's rich. I'll put this on the screen for you. He's got money. He's got three things going against him right now. He's got money. Because he has money, money, if you don't have, so you can have money, but if, as long as you don't let the money have you, if the moment money has you, it changes you. I've watched people who have had nothing come to church, get saved, follow Christ. God does a grace in their life, a beautiful work. They begin to rebuild their lives and they get money because God's blessing them. And they gain more and more. They have so much more. They're able to actually do great for the kingdom and give more than they could before. And because of that, before long, they get so much money, the money starts to become a thing that is a priority over God. And they think that the money has such influence, they lose their, their worship and their, their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I've seen it myself numerous times. You have got to put your money in its place. If you don't, it'll rule you. And we'll talk about it in a moment. But he had money. This next part is interesting. He was young. He had time. You know what I'm saying? He had time. Time is on my side. You know, that's what he was singing. That's his theme song. Yes, it is. You know, he had time. When you're young, don't look at me funny, but when you're young, you don't think like I do right now. Some of y'all are young. I see you, cool care cut and all. I look at you. I see him. I see it, boss. I got you. I used to have that. Believe I used to work out. I used to. It, it's it's tough now, man. Like, I mean, you don't want to work out. I'm like, man, that's too much work. <laughs> when I was dating Haley, I really did. I used to, I mean, I used to live. I used to work out. I mean, I, I could put on some weight. I eat a lot of food, but I could put on some weight. We got married and all that kind of stuff. She said, what happened? Why did you, why did you quit working out? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, I know, but I'm like, I don't know, babe. I mean, I, uh, you know, got you. I mean, you know, like, I don't know. Was I trying to impress or what? But like, it, it's funny how things change. You, um, when time changes, you, you affect, it affects you. When you're so, you, you think you're invincible. Uh, you'll ride anything, do anything. Man, I jumped on a mechanical bull one time when I was young. I thought I can do it too, man. It threw me off. It hurt for a minute. I never thought twice about it. We had this, um, uh, at our house, we, we live near a cattle farm, so man, it, it flies are just crazy. But I've, other people told me they're crazy everywhere right now, so I guess, whatever. So this, I hate flies. They came in, I'm trying to get rid of them, so I sprayed, right, a little, little, whatever, it's house and garden stuff, trying to catch them. Now I'm trying to 
At least stun them so I can get them out of the house, right? You know? Well, Piper comes walking by, and this stuff is like, you know, oil. Like baby oil stuff, man. Bam! She's like, whoa, she's laughing. <laughs> Dad, I fell down. I was like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Let me clean it up. So I'm going to do Bam! I fell down. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like, I didn't laugh about it. Like, that hurt. It's still sore right here. She, and then, you know, you know when, um, when it's trying to change a little bit because the kid goes, Dad, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, but I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. You try and play it off, but you know it's hurting, right? He had time, though. And then the other thing he had was he, he, the term ruler, he had authority. So he had power. It's like the trifecta. He had money. He had time. And he had power. And when you have those three things, it's a deadly cocktail if it's not submitted to, to God. So let's talk a couple things real quick about this. He was rich. So I just, I'm saying this to you as Jesus talks about this rich and world and how the gospel affected his life. He walked away because of what he had. Okay? He felt he was at the place where he could, you know, he had achieved where he should be, but he walks away from Christ because of his possessions. So let's talk about it. Number one, he's rich. All right. <clears throat> Let me just say this. It isn't about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you do have. Um, uh, we had a family member in our, in our um, extended family that he used to say things. Like he was a broker. It was years back, man. He would say things to my family and say, you know, it, it, you know if, you, if you give me $10,000, I can make you a millionaire. Now, nobody took him up on it, I don't think. But it's funny when you think about that. But as he, knew, he knew what he's doing. He could do it. Now, you might think, well, that's a lot of money. Well, so is a million dollars. But to somebody like an Elon Musk, that's not a lot of money. He probably spent that on, like, jet fuel. I don't know, sending something up to Mars. I don't know. He, it, that, that, a million bucks to him doesn't mean anything. It might mean a lot to you. It's all relative. That's why Jesus talks about things like when he talks about tithing and giving and whatever. Um, this idea that it, people have this idea that well, if I don't have a lot, then, then it's it, it's not fair. It's too much pressure. Uh, that's not accurate because it doesn't matter. It's a percentage. I've never heard something. I've never heard people say this about the government. You know, you get taxes. You get to pay taxes. You get to. You have to pay taxes. <laughs> no one ever says, you know what? Well, I don't have a lot. Uh, it's not fair. I get some. I get some back. It's always well. I don't have anything. It's always God. And I'm just telling you, money. It, you got to be careful with this thing. Uh, this man gained great wealth because of the clues that he gives as he's talking with Jesus. I've done, verse 20, I've done all these things since my youth. Can I just be honest with you? I'm going to tell you something. The blessing of the Lord is real, but you have got to make sure that thing is submitted to Christ. Because he did all these things. And Proverbs 10, 22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, adds no sorrow to it. Adds no sorrow. <clears throat> if money starts getting to the place where it takes all of your attention and focus and you have no time for God or time for anybody else or anything else. It's out of whack. There's something not right there. Um, he says this in Deuteronomy 8.18. These are the things the young man would have done. Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get well or to um, make a living. It's him who gives you those weird ideas that you go like, man, I don't know if this will work, but it's him who gives you ideas on the job that you do and your supervisor goes, hey, man, that's a good idea. Wow. He's the one that gives you, he doesn't just, send, he might send something in the mail. I'm not saying he wouldn't, but most of the time he gives you these ideas. He wants to bless you. 
But he says, don't forget it's the Lord your God because he wants to establish his covenant that he swore to his fathers as his day. And he also says this in verse 22, why couldn't he not follow Jesus? Because he'd been blessed. So in Deuteronomy um, 8.16, it says this, In the wilderness he fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that he might test you. Now, people don't like this word testing. Uh, Malachi says this, you want to prove out the Lord, you want to see if God's legit? Test him in, in tithing and see what happens to you. That's the only place you'll see it. This right here also says he tests you to do good for you in the end. So otherwise you say in your heart, my power, my strength of my hand made me this wealth. That's what this guy had done. He got to a point where God blessed him, God blessed him, God blessed him, but he began to think he did it because he is so smart. Can we all agree that it's the Lord that is the one that blesses? He's the one that's provided for you. And listen, if you want to go back, honey, listen. I, I don't, my kids have no idea what this is like, but we, when they were, the little, the oldest one was a baby, we would dig through the ashtray, uh, in the car. I don't guess they have them now, but you know, ours did, the older car, but the little ashtray to, to scrape through to get the little quarters so you could take them and go get something at the a little treat. That's what we did. And if you never had to do that before, you, you, you might not be able to appreciate what it's like to actually have to struggle. Not every struggle is bad. Sometimes a struggle is good. These guys that walked around the wilderness for 40 years eating manna, you know, they were tired of it. But the point God was trying to say is, I cannot send you into the promised land yet. You're not ready. If I sent you in right now, they would whip your tail. Is it possible that God wants to bless, but we're not ready? Can he trust you with it? And this is what he talks about as he goes forward with this young man. Um, in 1 Timothy, it says this, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read through these kind of quickly here. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Man, I've seen people leave Jesus over it. And why would that be the case? I'm going to tell you why. Because money isn't just, I wish I'd brought some cash with me, but money is not just, I mean, we have currency that says, in God we trust. Why would it have to say that, do you suppose? We're very blessed that our nation would actually do that. I don't know how long it'll last, but nonetheless, it, we're very blessed that actually it would, we would start out thinking that way. It's because it talks. You've heard that statement, money talks? It, don't think it doesn't. It, look, if we go through the store, Haley and I will go through, walking down the aisle, it doesn't matter A, B, or C. It's the same type of item. Let's say we're going to buy a new plate set, Okay. Here's a plate set, here's a plate set, and here's a plate set. I can hide the price tag on every box and walk down this aisle and she will find the most expensive box. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like this, she has an ability, it just, she said, well, I like it, it's cute. I was like, woman, why is it always going to be the most expensive one? Like, so now... She and I are a little different on some of that stuff, but she doesn't even look at the price. She's like, I like that one. And then you're like, man, well, how are we going to get that? You know, whatever. All right, so, but money talks. I look at things and I go, yeah, they're pretty, but, man, that one there's 20% cheaper. And it's on sale, you know, or whatever. You can get a coupon. That's the way I think. We're, money has a way of talking, and you may think that's odd, but Matthew 6.24, Jesus said to the disciples and other people, he said, no one can serve uh, two masters. Now, if you 
Please hear what I'm saying right here this morning, okay? I'm not trying to put the, uh, you know, turn the screws to you, man, to make you give. That's not the point of me saying this. I want you to see this, what happened to this guy. He left Jesus because of money. That was the number one reason. Other things too, but th- I'm spending the most time right here and we'll move on. It is a real issue. It really is. In Christianity right now, you know, less than 12% consistently give to their local church. That's across the board. Ours is above that. We're, we are above average as a church. Well, you know, thank God, but we don't, I mean, it still isn't like 50%. Or, it's not even halfway. If it was a business, people would look at it and say, that's terrible results. <laughs> that's what they would say. Now, we're not in a business. I'm just saying, I'm going to give you, that's in America. Go to a country where they struggle and they have nothing. They exceed our, by per cap, they exceed us in giving. Because we have a lot. That's what I'm telling you. So money, Jesus said you can't serve both, can't serve two masters. That tells you he'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll devote, be devoted to one and despise the other. He says you can't serve both God and money or wealth. The term here is actually mammon. I'll read you another one, Luke 16, 11. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? It is a real issue. It is a Babylonian god, Mammon. They worshipped this god of money. It shouldn't be any surprise. He worshipped all kinds of fake gods. And what he's saying is, you've got to get it under control. And like I said, all of us in here have a lot. You might think you don't. I'm telling you, you do. You have more than you think. You have more resources in your hand than you, you probably realize. But what Jesus says is this. It's so important. Don't let that spirit talk to you and convince you that you trust it more than you trust God. That's all I'm saying. And a matter of fact, today, what I don't want you to do is don't feel the, uh, the guilt or compelling or whatever you call it right now to give today. If you don't give, don't do it today. Take the pressure off right now. Well, I feel like I have to. No, just stop for a minute. This should be a Holy Spirit conviction thing. Not you hear the preacher. I'm not pulling the lever. I'm not trying to get you to do anything. Okay? Right? Everybody understand? Be cool about it. But this is a real thing. And don't let it get you in a place like it did with this rich young ruler. So if you just Google this term, this is what it says. Number one, it's called mammon is a Judeo-Christian term specifically referring to money, material wealth, greed, or riches. That's the Google definition you'll find probably, I think, come up the top of the list. I searched it real quick just to see what the Internet would say. But this is a real definition. Is Mammon is a Chaldean or Syriac word meaning wealth or riches. Also, watch this, by personification, the God of riches. Jesus' words about mammon, this is from uh, Baker's commentary. Mammon is personified as a rival to God for the loyalty of the disciple. Not the the disciple. To which master will obedience be given? Man, that is a challenging statement right there. And I just want to, just to rest everybody's, I'm moving on because I know you like, I can feel it like, oh Lord, is this going to be, can we get on to the next part? What's this, what's this other issue? He's rich, he's young. Let's talk about young people. Let's get off the money thing. Let's make fun of young people or do whatever. I don't, we're not going to make fun of young people, okay? We're just going to show you some stuff. But the money thing is a big deal. Just don't let it, don't let it rule you, okay? It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Can I get amen? Okay, good, good. All right, so he's young also. He's rich and he's young. Now, it's, it's as I said, it's a, it's a relative term a little bit. Uh, you know, if it doesn't hurt when you fall, you're young. 
There's your, there's your, there's your, you want to know your gauge? Yeah, it didn't hurt. Well, you're young. Shut up. You know, like, that's all I got to say. If it hurts, like you get up and something pops and you're like, man, what was that? That didn't do that before. I'm like, you probably, maybe you should check out some of that Tom Brady stuff and stretch, you know, do some stretches. I don't know. Um, but the funny thing is, if you, if you no longer say things like this, I bet I can outrun you. You've probably moved down the line a little bit. I don't say that to my kids anymore. Now, they, they try to push me, the little one especially. Dad, I bet I can outrun you. And I'm still a little too, I hadn't put down the whole competitive thing yet. So I still, like, just to show her, like, I am not slow. All right? But I'm done, though. I'm like, just don't let her see it, okay? You know what I mean? Um, I thought about this. If you're reading calorie intake numbers on the back of your produce and your groceries, you're probably not young. When I was young, listen, I worked construction. I never stopped to ask what was in Big Macs. I never even looked. I used to get double quarter pounders with cheese, super-sized, and an apple pie. That was just for lunch. For breakfast, I had biscuits, full-on bacon, eggs, coffee all day, water, and at night, I would have heavy food at night. I probably ate 6,000 calories a day. I don't know. Never thought about it. Now, my kids will go to McDonald's. I go like, I'm nauseous right now thinking about it. I can't even eat a simple little cheeseburger. I feel so, oh, it just feels so wrong, you know. You do what you want to do. I'm just saying. If you say this, I, was writing this, I just wrote these things down. I just thought it was kind of funny. Not to put numbers on how young or older we are, but these are funny things. Um, if you say things like, hey, turn that down. It's too loud. <laughs> are you saying, hey, turn it up. I can't hear <laughs> They're probably gone past, you know, what young is. Young people don't care. When I was young, I, man, I ran the subs in my car so loud. It was so distorted. I didn't care what you thought. I was a kid at the red light. What's up, man? Yeah. You were like rolling your windows up like stupid little punk teenager. I'm like, yeah, man. What's up? Now, I'm the guy in the driver's seat going like, man, why don't you turn that thing down? What's wrong with him? That was me. It's funny what you think, but... The young ruler here, this rich young ruler, let me tell you something about it. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will remove it from them at a young age. Now, you can't do this when they get old. You get to the point where you get so old, it's just, you know, you've got to come up with some more creative ideas. I mean, you can't try, but it, it kind of gets past this moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, little kids understand that, it's, but once you get older, you've got to figure out some other consequences and things like that. But Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way they go. Even when he's older, he won't depart from it. <clears throat> it is possible, though, to have training as a child, to grow up in understanding God and follow some parts of what God says and neglect the other. Jesus told the Pharisees that we tithe, we give of our mints, we do this and we do that. He's asked, great. Those things you ought to have done without leaving the other things undone. Mercy and justice, righteousness, right? Do you see what I'm saying? It's a, it is a, a thing to, you can learn and grow in all these different things, but just because you train a child, understand this, your children have choices in life. And I just want to just, I'd love to just release the pressure off you as parents right now. Um, it's not easy. 
anybody that's got the kids out of the house, they're doing victory like celebrations. You know what I'm saying? They're like, we did it. We made it. We didn't kill them and they didn't kill us. You know, they feel very like, wow. But they will tell, if they don't tell you this, they're lying. They should tell you the truth. It was hard. Now, unless they just had great kids and it just nothing ever, whatever, that's fine. But at some point, everybody has a challenge. Whether it's a discipline issue or maybe a kid's sick or something, you go through something that's tough, it's not easy parenting. And I just want to release some of you guys' attention on this whole thing. Look, man, you raise your kids, you teach them about Jesus, give them the best you can. Understand this, they make their own decisions when they get older. And you can't carry that weight with you all your life. I mean, you got to trust that you gave them the best you could do. And if you feel like you did it, then submit that to the Lord and say, God, I missed it over here and here and here. I'm imperfect. You know that. Holy Spirit, will you help them get what I couldn't give them? But you have got to let it go. It's too much of a weight. God wouldn't want you to carry that. He can do more with them. Let me tell you right now. He can do more with your kids right now than you could do all your life. All it takes is one conviction of the Holy Spirit, man. Boom. That's all it's going to take. But just let that weight off of you. Do the best you can do. But understand, kids make their own decisions. But this is interesting. Um, being a young guy, though, he, I think he, caught, he kept part of the teachings, but he, did, he ignored others. But he's a young guy. And he had this attitude about him. And you can see this as he's, reading to Jesus, he's talking to Jesus. As, and if you're young in here, you're the person that it didn't hurt when you fail. Okay, I know you're young. I'm not... I'm, this is not to you. I just, just hear my heart. Um, I didn't know some of these things when I was younger. So, so I'm going to share some things with you, okay? He had the attitude like, as we all did, can we all agree? So if they're young, they won't think they're, they're the only ones, okay? We all felt this way when we were young. We thought we knew everything, did we not? Can I get an amen from all the older people? Come on, kids need to understand. They think we're like, you know, we've always had it together, and we know we did not. We need to be honest with them. Too much pressure on them, too. They, they think that they can't ever make a mistake. They, we all made mistakes. We, we could still make mistakes, you know? But when you're young, you have this idea because you're so young, you think you know it all. And because, oh, they're older, you know, I mean, they listen to Elvis, you know. I listen to, like, Aerosmith, man, you know, like, that's old school. We think all these weird things because they're older or younger, we have it together. But it's a, it's a fallacy that the enemy uses that you don't need people that are older in your life. The, the, plan, the way of God is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But Jacob was to look back. They were to look back. If you look in Genesis, who is the example of us as the father of faith? Abraham. It's not Jacob. They were to take the blessing of the Lord and impart it to their kids. But you're to go back and look at those who have gone before you. It's a... One of my favorite quotes, the thing that we learn about history is we do not learn about history. We don't learn about history. We say we do, but we really don't. So listen to these words. If you're younger in here, just listen to a couple of words here, okay? Job chapter 12 and verse 12. Wisdom is with aged men. Not knowledge. Wisdom. I'm going to take a minute here. We live in a day today where knowledge is exponent. It is, it, there's never been a time on the planet where knowledge is so available, made available to everyone at, at one time. You have knowledge right here. 
I mean, right here, right now. I mean, I could, I could look up anything. When's the next space mission to Mars? When's the next? All you, we all do it, don't we? And our favorite term is now, like, well, let me Google it. Knowledge, though, listen, is not wisdom. And you need, everyone in here needs someone older in their life that can actually speak into their life at some point. You need someone who's older than you who can actually, you can bounce stuff off of. It's really important. Wisdom is with aged men. With long life is understanding. Now, he was younger than Jesus, or he was younger than Jesus, or he honored Jesus anyway as, as a teacher, but he had respect for Jesus because he said, what must I do? But he rejected the wisdom of Christ. Did you see that? He felt that his knowledge was so great, he did not see the wisdom of Christ. It's really important if you're younger. Um, if you listen to Jesus, he probably could have put this into practice. I'm going to give you this, the flip side of this. So if you are young in here, 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Do not let anyone look down on you because of your youthfulness. So in other words, you don't let them look down on you. That doesn't mean pick a fight with them. It means you want to know how to, how to, to bounce that back so that people don't look down on you. He says, <clears throat> here's how you do this. But you rather in speech, conduct, life, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example to those who believe. Timothy was a very young pastor, probably in his 20s. But he, he had to, when you're younger and you start up in, in some kind of role, you have to kind of, you have to prove it out. Isn't that right? And when you're older, here's the thing. <clears throat> We do this, we think, well, you don't know what you know, you don't know what you're doing, or you don't know this, whatever. But no one knows what they're doing when they start out. We're all learning. You know, you have to get started somehow. When I started working at Bojangles fast food, I burnt so many biscuits, burnt the chicken, burnt everything. I didn't know how to cook anything. But you know, thank God they had inventory. I guess I could keep, you know, trying it out. You have to you have to learn, but if you're younger, if you want to overcome people looking down at you, be an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity to other believers around you. Anyway, so speaking of inventory, inventory, it's not fun, but this is a verse of scripture I want to leave you with this point. Psalms 90 verse 12 tells us this. Everyone in the room, please hear this. Teach us to number our days so that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. It's a sobering thing to do. I've done it. Like, we did a little exercise with some pastors, and it's kind of like, oh, I don't like that. And if you're older than me, you might think, well, you should do mine. Well, okay, I get it. We're all in the same boat, though. But can I just encourage you with something? It doesn't matter how, what age you are in the room. Um, in the last two years, I buried two very good friends of mine that were my age. I didn't bury them. We buried one, but then attended the other. They were my age. Had dreams, had goals, had visions, had life, had everything. Had beautiful families. Expected them to live... 120 years, just like everybody else. Didn't happen. So the point is not to look at and say, well, how long will you live? It's to say, hey, man, listen, um, time is a very precious thing. And not to be morbid, but you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. You just can't. People, say, people call time a commodity. It's not a commodity. It, it, it has nothing to do with commodity. Commodities can be, uh, you, can, you can dig, you can resource them, you can find them. You can't find more time, at least not yet. I mean, I don't know. 
Elon might figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> Time travel's coming next. Who knows? But there's, you just can't. So he was, he was wealthy. He had his, his youth. And the last thing, he, he had authority. So this is a very interesting thing. And I'm, I'm going to wrap up with this one verse right here in Matthew. Authority and power is a very interesting thing. When you put these three things together, they're dangerous. If it's not submitted into the Holy Spirit, it's dangerous. Um, power and authority, though, it's when people get, you've heard of the power trip thing people say that people have? It's why in recent years you've seen this in like movie stars and stuff. Not maybe movie stars, but the, um, some of the people who run the big movie producing things like get busted for using their power to manipulate young actors. I'm keeping it PG, but y'all read the stories and heard about it. It's disgusting. But they did it because the actors, the, the young actress or actor, they don't, they're trying to get their foot in the door because they're young. This goes back to, it's a very important thing here. This is why young people need people around them that they can trust. And see that, that's why in the house of God, that's why the Bible tells us things like this. Men, you see some of these young girls here, you ought to look at them, treat them like a sister or a daughter of God. The last place they need to come is church and feel like some dude's gawking at them. Love them, give them respect, but listen, uh, let them know they can trust the people around them, okay? So, this all happened because these men, there's been documentaries on some trafficking kids, used their power and authority and that was over the, to get what they wanted. And it's a dangerous thing. Power and authority has to be submitted to God. And Jesus said this about in Matthew 20, 25. He says, <clears throat> you know this, that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. It means don't use your power and authority to manipulate to get what you want. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, if you want to know how this works in the kingdom of God, you serve one another. Serve one another. When he talked to Pilate, do you remember what Jesus told him? He said, listen... You think you have authority and power because you work for Rome. At, his cru- at the moment of his trial where he's going to be crucified, he says, you think you have power. Let me tell you something. You have no power or authority unless it was given to you by my Father which is in heaven. This is why the Bible tells us to pray for kings and those who are in authority. Because they're in authority, and I get it. You may not like them. Okay, fine. There's some, we can all agree, right, that there's sometimes... People who are in charge of stuff, you may not may be in charge, I don't know. But there are some people, you, you just don't like it. I get it. But there's ways of dealing with it and ways of not dealing with it. Right? you got a supervisor you don't like, you don't manipulate with four other employees to try to get them out. You pray, trust, ask God. If it's something wrong they're doing, okay, that's a different story. But if it's personality or you don't like how they fill out their paperwork or whatever else and they're over you, uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong if you're trying to pick a fight with that. You say, well, how can you prove that? Well, Ephesians says this, uh, with good will render service as unto the Lord and not to men, 
knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this will receive back from the Lord, whether a slave or free. It means even if you were in bondage and servitude, you, it, that's a hard pill to swallow to, even to think that. But God tells us, from the standpoint of these kind of instructions, there's a ways of dealing with people in authority. You don't like the president? Pray for him. In, in context of how many problems you disagree with or how many things you don't like, how many times have you prayed for him? Don't like that? Okay. In context of how many times you don't like or dislike what your governor, uh, the governor does in Georgia, how many times have you prayed for him? It, it, there is a real thing to this. Power and authority... The scripture says that God sets kings, he kind of sets them up and he sets them down. And I know we don't like this. This is the part of America. We do not like this because, well, bless God, we vote. Well, we do. What are you going to do about it, though, if you get the one you don't like? I mean, this guy that was over in, that Paul's talking about in Timothy, praying for those in authority, I think it was Nero who was in charge at that time. Pray for him? He's stringing Christians up down the sides of the road. And he said, pray for him. Why? It's hard to do, I know, when you don't like it, but watch this. Your prayers are the thing that changes the problems that you see. Your power and authority spiritually that you have to pray. Paul says, pray for them who are in authority that we might live, watch this, a peaceable life. If you want peace... Pray for them. Can I just put out something else to you real quick? I, I mean, this is not my notes. I just want to kind of go down this road a little bit. If they're in charge and you don't like it, why would you not pray for them? So hopefully it would change. What, if you're going to complain about them, that's not going to help anyway. Pray for them. And I didn't say I agree with them all. I could probably give you 10 things right now that I don't agree with. And I'd be glad to share with you my opinion. <laughs> but it, what's good is he going to do? I mean, it's just another talking head like on TV. That's all it'll be. But man, listen, when I use what he gave me an authority and pray, no, that's different. It may not change overnight, it may not change next week, but it can change. So I want to encourage you right now. This young guy was rich, he's young, and he had power and authority. Those three things, we got to make sure they're submitted in our Christian walk. Got to make sure this morning that it's submitted. So I want you to uh, close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment as I pray for you. <clears throat> you know, this thing about the rich young ruler that there's a term called burn the ships. I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's kind of the term that people did when they would explore and they found land or they found, the, they burned the ships, man. That meant there's no going back. And that's what Jesus was asking him to do. <clears throat> he was saying, young, young man, I, I want you to burn the ships right now. I, I want you to give it all. I want you to let it go. And maybe this morning right now, you're in the room and I'm telling you, it's hard for you to serve other people because you're in a situation where people are over you. They're, they're mean, they're jerks. They don't do, you know, the way you would do it. But it's not a lack of integrity. It's not a lack of character. It's not a lack, they're not doing anything illegal. It's just, you don't like them. Man, can I encourage you right now? You have more authority and power to pray for them. Maybe they just need a friend. Maybe they've never had anyone like them on the job. Maybe you pray for them. You don't have to be their buddies, but you can pray for them. Maybe you're in this room right now and your money has kind of got you. Like, you know, 
Like, you don't like it. I, I mentioned the word money and it made you cringe. I talk about giving and it, you get mad. Your emotions rise up for some reason. You don't know why, but it just does. You need to submit that to God today. You burn the ships, man. Burn the ships. If you're in a place right now where your age, you think, man, I'm just, I, I've got all this time and everything's just, you know, what's going my way. That, that is an area where right now you need to burn the ships. You need to say, God, I, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. You know, I'm young, but I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And no matter what age you are in this room, you're never too young. You're never too old to give God whatever he asks of you. So in this, in this time right now, I'm going to pray for you. And if you're in this room right now, I just want to pray a prayer of surrender. These are tough topics. I understand that money, power, you know, life. I understand they're very tough topics. So I'm going to pray for you. It's just going to be a prayer of surrender. We're going to pray. And then at the end, I'm going to pray also for those of you who need to come to Christ. If you don't know Jesus, um, the scriptures say this, that a man or a person, a woman, they believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him up from the dead. And he lives and he lives eternally. If you believe that, that Jesus died for you, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So we're going to pray for that as well. But I want to lead the whole church, and everybody's going to pray. No one's going to be by themselves. We're all going to pray this together, okay? So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of surrender right now. For everyone in the room, we're all going to pray this. If you're online watching, you can pray this as well. Say, dear Jesus, say, everybody in the room, I come today, and I submit to you my life. If there's anything that's off limits, anything that you want, Show that to me, and I'll give it to you today. Lord, I surrender my life, my resources, my time, my authority. Jesus, I follow you all of my days. All right, now, if you're here and you don't know Christ, and you say, man, Pastor Jody, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I've been praying about this for a while. I don't know if he'll accept me or I don't know where I stand with God. I just don't have too many questions about this faith in Jesus. We're going to pray right now. You're going to pray with the whole church again. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, where you've been or what you're thinking about now. He can take you right now. But it isn't about getting stuff right and it's not about making sure things are in order. It's about stopping first and just submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and all the other things will begin to work out. So everybody in the room is going to pray with you right now. You need to pray and accept Jesus. Pray this with us right now. Say, dear Jesus, I acknowledge that you are Lord and Savior of the world. And today, I give you my life. And I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me of sin. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? <clears throat> so proud of you. What I want you to do right now, we're going to do some baby dedications. And then um, if you guys want to get that ready, um, but if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you right now, uh, take some time to fill out a form for us in the seat back or online connect.cornerstonerome.com. You can go there and just fill it out. Let us know what we can do to help you get started walking with Christ. There's even a little scan card. You can do that right there. A little, whatever that thing's called. Um, you can do it that way if you want to, but either way, we'd love to help you get started walking with God. Please don't leave wondering what I need to do uh, to follow Jesus. We want to help you with that, okay? So, hey, Gary's coming up right now. Would y'all welcome him to the platform? Good morning.
Yeah, our attitude toward money is so important. You know, when I was young, I had uh, a really nice home, and I wore three-piece suits, and uh, had a really good job. And then I screwed up, and I lost it all. And once you lose everything that you have, when you lose your house and your vehicles and everything else, you have a different appreciation for God's money and what it does in your life, because you realize it's not ours, it's His. And we need to change our attitude toward that one. I've heard somebody say, keep a real light grip on your money because when you want to hold tight to it and you're afraid and you have fear that you're not going to have enough, you're, you're taking it from God and you're robbing him. So just keep a light grip on your money. We try to make it real easy here at Cornerstone for you to give. There's a lot of different ways you can give online. Uh, you can text to give. You can drop um, uh, cash or checks in the, in the offering boxes here as you go out. But just want to thank you so much. Um, for your continued generosity because we can't do the things that we do here without uh, you guys giving. So I think that's a really good message, Pastor Ted. Take that to heart today because we may not always have what we have right now, but you're going to have a different appreciation for it if you lose it and God restores you again. So uh, Pastor Jody is going to come back up with Haley. We've got baby dedication. All right. So <clears throat> Haley's going to come with me. She, she's still going to hang out with me even for I she picks out the most expensive stuff. Did you hear me or you walked back there when I said that? I right <laughs> oh, what's wrong with her? Oh, okay. Are you asking one? Yeah. Alrighty. Look at this little one. Well, hello. How are you? Are you excited to see me? How are you doing? You are the most beautiful thing. You are so cute. You really are. Oh, yeah, I could. I could. All right, so. All right, this is beautiful. I'm going to give you guys this here. And this is just a, these are great little Bibles. We, um, um, you want to hold that, Big Daddy? Thank you. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, I know. Look, I know it's all about her. No one's going to pay attention to anybody else. I know it's sad, but you got to understand. Now, this is Emerson Ace Cloudus. Is that right? Okay, good. So we always like to declare these over children. And listen, y'all know this. We showed this before. This is not salvation, but what they're doing as parents is saying, listen, you want to see it? Well, baby girl, you can. Would you like to? Can she hold it? Let that in. So we, we just say we're dedicating. They're committing, saying, look, we're going to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're committing. This is as much for them as it is for her. But it's not salvation, but it is saying, look, they're asking for your prayers right now to join with them. Listen, we want to do, do it the right way. And so I want you to agree with us in prayer as we pray for them and dedicate her before the Lord. So this is not a time where we just watch. So I want you to stretch your hands out if you don't mind right now. We're going to pray for them. And just agree right now that this God's favor on this family and on her and on little Emerson here as we pray for you, okay? All right, so the scriptures say this. Emerson, I'm going to read this over you. Ready? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. That's our prayer for you, baby girl. Yeah. Let's pray for them right now. Would you stretch your hands out this way? Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for this family. Lord, I thank you for your blessing upon them and your blessing of their lives. I thank you, Lord, for Emerson, that all she'll ever know is Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that God, every step that she needs to take, I thank you for giving wisdom to mom and dad. I thank you, Lord, for helping to see which way to go. I thank you, Lord, that she'd be like a little Samuel that hears your, your voice in the nighttime. That, God, she would hear your words. God, she'd always be led of your spirit, God. And the peace of God would just encompass her heart and her life. And God, all she'll ever know is Jesus Christ. 
I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom you give mom and dad, for this whole family. Thank you for the steps that you've given them, direction. In Jesus' name, we give them to you and we lift them up to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. There you go. You'll give them a hand right now. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool, man. That's awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. Can y'all get photos? Good, good. I was going to say, do y'all want to get photos? Okay. Yeah, we'll get in too. Oh, if y'all want more photos, you can. It's, we're not trying to rush you. All right, good deal. Good deal. Give me a hand, would you? Good deal. Is it me or you, Gary? Me? All right, so I'm a, All right, stand to your feet, would you please, before we go today. Listen, we need prayer. Uh, we have prayer ministry team that's down there. Hey, y'all good? Did I make fun of y'all? No, right? Listen, this guy here is young. Look, this is, come here, come here. I don't even know your name. Come on, come on. You're good. We'll put you on TV. Come on. It's all good. What's your name? Andrew. And, Andrew, yeah. Look, Andrew, look how tall he is. How tall are you? Like 5'11". Dude, no, say 10, like 6'2". Don't say. That ain't cool, man. Now I'm, that's young. Okay, I'm not old. Thank you. Young guy. But hey, listen, man. I just want you all to see, right? So hey, look, pray for these guys as well, all right? These are these guys over here and over there and over here. And all. These great kids, man. I don't even know your name. Andrew? Mm-hmm. Good to see you, man. Did that make you nervous? Huh? Oh, he's cool. Look, he's cool. That's what you do when you're young. I'm cool. Everything's cool. All right, so y'all good, right? Okay. All right, good. Um, so as we go today, I mean, we speak to every year. Our prayer ministry team coming down front. If you guys don't mind coming on out, uh, these are prayer partners we have at our church. They're going to make their way down here now. If you need prayer for anything, come in uh, and just receive prayer, okay? But we, we always will speak this over you as well in Numbers chapter 6. We'll put it on the screen for you so you can see it as well. But this is, the, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. See you next week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.